0: Good morning everyone, morning morning and welcome to Old Providence Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church. I welcome you, whether you are a longtime member or a first time visitor or somewhere in between, it is the Lord that has brought us together here in this place, but I thank you for choosing to come and worship with us. If I've not met you, I'll be out under the portico after and would love to meet you then. Now, we are here to worship indeed, but first, let me just point you to your bulletin as lots of things are going on, lots of things are starting back up, okay? Things like our Wednesday night Bible study and prayer meeting will be starting this coming Wednesday night in Providence Hall next door at 6.45, and we will end promptly at 7.30. We're gonna be doing an in-depth study of the book of Hebrews, and I'm excited about that because that's a book That is so applicable to us today, and it's full of so many rich truths and encouragement. So I hope you'll make that a priority. Also, daily devotionals start back tomorrow morning at 7 a.m., and I'm excited about that as well. Those run Monday through Thursday. They are not live, but they are available on our Facebook page or on sermonaudio.com forward slash old providence you can find those there too now as far as other events we're not having youth group tonight due to the holiday weekend but we will resume next week and y'all let me tell you mark your calendars two weeks away right in two weeks we are having special services september 17th they run through wednesday and i know that you will be blessed from those so please do make plans to attend there's a blurb in your bulletin about that Now, other things are cranking back up. Uh, Monday midday is not tomorrow, but it's next Monday, Um, and and different things like that, but I'm going to let you find those. Let me tell you now, though, that today's order of worship is going to be a little bit different. Donna, our organist and choir director, is under the weather and could not be with us today. So, Miss Vicki Smith will be playing. And Vicki, I am so grateful for you being here today. Um, Also, instead of our children's message, our children are going to be offering some special music for us in the service during that time. So, we have a treat. Um, Now, with those things being said, let's focus come why the Lord has brought us here. Let's prepare our hearts for worship as Vicki leads us in the prayer Our call to worship this morning comes from Psalm 51, and in it we read, Be gracious to me, O Lord, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion. Blot out my rebellion, completely wash away my guilt, and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion, and my sin is always before me. Against you and you alone I have sinned and done this evil in your sight, So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self. And you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and sustain me by a giving and willing My friend, our calls to worship usually revolve around praise, and this is no different. And yet what the psalmist is doing is praising God here for his mercy, for his grace. We'll talk a little bit more about the background of this psalm in just a bit, though this is not our focus today. Even so, this desire that you see from the psalmist, this admission that you see from the psalmist, but this desire to have that right relationship with God Oh, my friends, I hope that's your desire as he has called you in this presence today. Again, he has called us here to worship him. So let us do so in spirit and in truth. I'll lead us in prayer after which we'll pray the Lord's Prayer together and then we'll confess the Apostles' Creed. But let's go to him now. Our God and our Father, what a blessing it is that you have loved us, that you have cared for us, that you have provided for us in so many ways, including this way, right now this opportunity to be here with you. Please guide us now. As it was with the psalmist in the 51st, let it be with us that as we come to your presence, we recognize our sinfulness and need for forgiveness, and yet we praise you for your mercy, your abundant and abiding love. Work in our hearts now, Father, as you have called us to this place. We pray these things in Christ's name and we also pray as he taught us to pray by saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now as we say the Apostles' Creed together, let me ask you, Christian, what is it that you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen indeed. And now as we continue in our worship, let's take our hymnals and turn to number 379 as we sing that great hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And do pay attention to the words as you sing them. Number 379 in the red hymnal, but on the screen as well. Please stand with me. Thank you. And you may be seated. And children, we are ready for y'all now.
1: Thank
2: you. <laughs> While the children are coming up, let me just introduce them. This is Children's <laughs> Church. So it is not a um. formal choir that is practiced. It is not a performance. And if there are other children, please come on down. You would like to sing with us. We have, for the last eight months, been studying in Children's Church about the fruit of the Spirit. And so what we're going to do is sing two songs, and we're going to say the memory verse. And we hope that this will go well, but remember they they have not been practicing a lot. I'd also like to recognize we have a wonderful team of Children's Church leaders, and on the first Sunday, normally it's Carrie Watts and Lois Scottdale. and if you could stand up when I call your name, just to, uh, stand for a second. Uh, second Sunday, we have... Vicki Lotz and Amanda Buchanan. Third Sunday, Sue Smiley helps with me. And on the fourth Sunday, it's Tina Staten and Danny Lunster. And the fifth Sunday is Christy Phillips and Lauren Hamer. And so these work work with the children, lots of different ones working, so thank you all. Um, You may be seated now. And so now we're gonna have the children to sing. We're gonna sing the two songs, but before we do, let's say the memory verse. Now, I'm gonna tell you one of the first songs you're going to try to do the hand motions that we've been learning, and the second song is really, really fast. It's their favorite, and I challenge you to be able to say all the parts of the fruit of the spirit as fast as they can. <laughs> we'll see how they do. says three years old to third grade and we had two children this year who are graduating from children's church so we just wanted to recognize them and Olivia Barker is here and Aiden Whipple is not here but we have a small gift for oh, he is here. Oh, yes. Aiden come on down here so before they get and sit with their parents we just wanted to give them this gift. So thank you for your attendance in Children's Church. We hope that you will always learn and continue to love Jesus and to love mine.
0: Thank you very much. Now. And as Patsy mentioned, the commitment of all of the teachers, Patsy is the director of Children's Church, and we are so grateful for her ministry here with our children. Now, let's take this time to go to our Lord in silent prayer, and after that, we will go to the Lord as I lead us in the pastoral prayer, but let's go to him now. Eternal God and Heavenly Father, as we consider the many gifts that you have given to us, the many ways that you have provided for us and protected us, we know it is the fruit of the Spirit that you have given to shape us, to make us who we are as we are the followers of Christ. And so we thank you for the sanctifying work of the Spirit as you make us less and less like ourselves and more and more like you. And we're grateful for this, Father, because we know that you making us like yourself is the greatest thing that you can do for us. As we consider who we are apart from you, let us be forthcoming enough. Let us be honest enough to recognize our sin. As we have lifted up already from that great hymn, we are prone to wander. And yet you hold on to us. You hold fast to us. For you are our rock, our Ebenezer. Oh, Father, give us grateful hearts and let us live in light of this calling that you've given to us, not because we've got to, but because we get to. Because we recognize that in your love you have commanded us to do what you've told us to do because that's what's good for us. Let us put away the childishness. Let us realize, give us the wisdom to see the beauty of Jesus Christ, our Savior. The glory of his word. The calling. And again, the privilege to be called your children. Oh, Father, as we consider these things, we know that there are challenges. As we consider the fruit of the Spirit, we are also... (laughs) Reminded of the armor that you give us, the armor to stand up to spiritual warfare, for the evil one seeks to attack, and all oh, he will use anything, even the good things in life, to tear us to shreds. Instead, let us focus on you. Let us be built up as we seek your face in the scriptures and prayer. And Father, as we face the challenges of life both to our sanctification and following you and and just the challenges of life in general, we pray that you would be at work. For those that are sick in our midst and those that are not here because they can't be, we pray that you would bring healing and comfort and peace. For those that are struggling in other ways, whether it be sadness or or loneliness or, or just weariness in this weary world that we're living in, we pray that you would give again comfort and peace, but also that they would be spurred on towards faithfulness. And Father, as we think about other challenges that we face, let us see them as opportunities. We think about the coming months when construction starts in the church, and even now, we pray that you would be with us in that, help us to be flexible. Um, Please work in our midst for the sake of this church. As we think about homecoming, we pray even now that you would be with Reverend Fleming and prepare him to be with us and share the good news of the gospel, yes, but the good news of what? You are doing in the world around us, and Father. As this fall is upon us, as things are cranking up, let us, with a renewed commitment, seek Your face and the ways that You provide for us. Let us see the opportunities You bring us, both to to be encouraged, but also to be an encouragement to others. And let us seize those opportunities, not for our sake alone, but for Yours and for Your kingdoms. I pray this in. And all things, in Christ, who, in his name, who saves us, who sanctifies us, who works in our hearts. We pray it in his name. Amen. And now let us continue our time of worship by taking our green Bible song books. And again, the words will be on the screen. But we're going to sing Bible song number 175, How, How Amiable Are Thy Tabernacles. And that's the 84th Psalm, Bible song 175. Please stand with me as we sing you. Yeah. Let's go to our Lord our fathers we have just lifted up the 84th about the swallows and the spares that you provide for we're reminded that you provide for us in every way now as we return to you I pray that you would bless the gift that you would bless the giver that you would grow your kingdom as a result and I pray it in Christ's name amen Thank you very much Vicki. I don't know if you recognize music. I'm, I'm a choir director's son and I'm not a musical man but uh, my family is and um, that was the, uh, the, the great hymn We Bow Down and, and one of the lines is king of all kings he will be and indeed he will be so worship the king. So thank you very much Vicki. Well, my friends, today is a little bit bittersweet to me as we come to the last Sunday in our summer series in the Psalms. And that's a mouthful to say, but um, nevertheless, we come to the last in this series and we will move on to something new next week. Um, But as I focused and I said, okay, of all the Psalms that we should do, what should we really close with? Something occurred to me, you know, as we've been making our way through the Psalms in this series, We've been studying Psalms that while breathed out by God, that this is the word of God, nevertheless, David is the author, right? He's the human author, the one inspired by God through whom God breathed out his word. And yet we haven't really focused on on who David is and on the things that David does and on what motivated David. Now I know I'm getting into this grand mystery of God breathing out his word and human authorship. But nevertheless, the the author is important here. As we've gone through, we've been studying psalm after psalm, all of which have been written by David. Yes, that David, the one who slew Goliath, the, the one that was appointed king of Israel, the one that was pursued by Saul after the kingdom had been torn from Saul and given to David. And also that David that fell into adultery with Bathsheba who murdered Bathsheba's husband, Uriah the Hittite, trying to hide his sin. And yet that same David that was restored again and again, whom the Lord used to accomplish so many amazing feats. And so with today being our last psalm in this series, I thought it fitting to focus on David and the example that he leaves us and why he did what he did. You know, much is said of David in the scriptures. He's absolutely one of the key figures in the entire story of the Bible. But as we focus on the example that he leaves, as we focus on the things that he did, there is one statement that is made about David by God himself that is his best characteristic, and it should be one of the things that focuses us today as we go to God's word. It's the best way to understand David. And, and we find this statement in, in 1 Samuel, right? And we find it in 1 Samuel 1 when Samuel, the prophet and judge, he had rebuked Saul. He had gone to find the new king that God was going to show him. We see it there. We also see it in Acts, but they're the same statement. David is called the man after God's own heart. Now, you realize God didn't say that David was perfect. Not at all, in fact. In God's word, David isn't even remotely the most faithful servant in God's house. Side note, if you're wondering who is called the most faithful servant in all of God's house, when uh, when we get to Hebrews 3, 5, we'll see it in our Bible study on Wednesday nights. It'll be a while yet, but in case you're ever on Jeopardy and they ask you who is the most faithful servant in all of God's house, Hebrews 3, 5, Moses. Moses is called the most faithful, not David. David wasn't perfect at all. In many, times, many cases, David wasn't even faithful. In fact, David would be told by God when David wanted to build the temple, David would be told by God he had so much blood on his hands that God wouldn't let him do it. It would be his son Solomon that received that honor. But even so, despite these things, David, more so than anyone else, was recognized by God himself as the man who was after his own heart. Why? Especially given all of those marks on his, uh, his tally list there. Well, the full answer is for a different sermon and a different series altogether, but we'll get into that today a little bit. You, you can see why David is the man after God's own heart, not in his faithfulness, But, first off, because David relied on God. It's just that simple. You you can also see why David is the man after God's own heart and his repentance. I read the 51st Psalm for the call to worship this morning, or at least a good portion of it. That Psalm wherein David goes to God with the contrite heart that God has said he loves and he accepts. David, without any pretenses, goes to God and he says, Against you and you alone have I sinned. You can see it there, but in my opinion, the best place to see it, the best place to find out why David is called the man after God's own heart is actually in our passage today, and that would be Psalm 27. So you can go ahead and turn to the 27th Psalm with me. Again, the reason we're focusing on David being the man after God's own heart is because of the example this leaves for us, What, what it shows us about being a follower of Jesus Christ. And it leads us to ask a question of ourselves, or at least it should. If David is called the man after God's own heart, what should your relationship with God be like? Let's pray, and then we'll read. Our Father, as we come to your word now, We pray that you would open our eyes, open our eyes, not just to what's going on in front of us and behind us and around us, but what's going on inside us, that we would see you, yes, but that we would also see ourselves, and in seeing ourselves, we would be honest about our need, about our calling, about what you have put before us. Let us be honest about evaluating our relationship with you. We won't do any of this without your Holy Spirit. So please guide us now. And we pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. Psalm 27 is where we are today. And we will begin reading in verse 1. And we're only going through the first six verses. But Psalm 27, beginning in verse 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread? When evildoers came against me to devour my flesh, my foes and my enemies stumbled and fell. Though an army deploys against me, my heart will not be afraid. Though a war breaks out against me, I will still be confident. I have asked one thing from the Lord. It is what I desire to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking him in his temple for he will conceal me in the shelter in the day of adversity he will hide me under the cover of his tent he will set me high on a rock then my head will be high above my enemies around me I will offer sacrifices in his tent with shouts of joy I will sing and make music to the Lord And we'll stop reading right there. May God bless the reading of his holy, inerrant, and infallible word. Amen and amen. So again, in light of David being called the man after God's own heart, the question that we come back to is, what should your relationship with God be like? Well, consider what we just read. Again, David is, is is called the man after God's own heart. But who is God to David? Now, the last two weeks, we, we've seen in the 23rd Psalm that David refers to God as his shepherd and that he is one of God's sheep. But here in the 27th Psalm, David has chosen a different metaphor, a, a different descriptor, a different word picture to express who God is to him, to express how he sees God. And the word picture that David chose this time is that God is the stronghold of his life. Now, what is a stronghold? Well, stronghold is just another word for a castle or a fortress, and while we know what a castle is in theory, practically speaking, let's be honest, strongholds, castles, citadels, they're not really something that we're that familiar with in our modern world. Okay? In our modern world, we practice modern warfare with drones and jets and tanks. And, and besides, in the United States, there's three very good reasons that we don't know that much about strongholds and such. You know, first, we are the United States. We're one nation. But the second and third reasons happen to be the Atlantic and the Pacific Ocean. Right, Our nation in its own landmass is its own stronghold. Okay, But if you were to go out of the United States, or go back in time first, and, and second, go to a place where castle and siege warfare was used, you'd have a much better understanding of the stronghold. Uh, Take, for instance, castles and strongholds that exist today, right? And and first off, let me say, I'm not talking about the ones in Europe that were built just to show how much money somebody had, right? That's the, the new Schwanstein Castle in Bavaria, Germany. Beautiful, outstanding, but it's more like a museum than a castle. And no, I don't mean Cinderella's Castle in Disney World either. Take, for instance, This castle that Amanda and Bella and I visited when we were in Cardiff, Wales, in the UK. All right, this is in their capital. As you consider what you're looking at there, it doesn't exactly look inviting, does it? Nor does it look romantic. If you look closer at the stairs, now realize you see what looks like rocks. It may be hard to see it on there. But the stairs are very, very narrow, and it's not even a straight stairway up. They zigzag and they go back and forth. Why? Well, because a stronghold is supposed to be really strong and really hard to get to. It's supposed to be isolated. It's supposed to be difficult for anybody on the outside, and yet strongholds protect the people inside them. That's the mindset that we ought to have as we consider David calling God his stronghold. Back to the 27th Psalm of David, and also why he's known after the man uh, man after God's own heart. Uh, This question, what should your relationship be like with God? In light of the stronghold, in light of David saying God is the one that he runs to, let me ask you, is God your stronghold? Is God the one that you run to in times of trouble and distress? As people would retreat to a stronghold during times of battle? And not only is God your stronghold in that you can run to him, the bigger question is, do you dwell within him? You know, David talked about God not as just someone he could run to, but as his dwelling place. Do you dwell in the stronghold that is Christ your Savior? As people would dwell in a stronghold in the midst of a siege. As we've read from Psalm 27, can you say, you know, we did this with the 23rd Psalm and we spent a lot of time on, can you say the Lord is my shepherd? Not some shepherd, not one of many shepherds, the Lord is my shepherd. In the same way, can you say the Lord is my light and my salvation? And then rhetorically ponder, whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Can you say this? Whom should I dread? You know, this is kind of like what, again, we did with the 23rd Psalm. If you take God at his word, and you should, and if you would learn from David, the man after God's own heart, you too should be able to conclude, as David concluded, that when God is your stronghold, There's nothing to fear when you're resting in God. There's nothing to dread when you are resting in God. And y'all, God's word does not exaggerate. Nothing means nothing. And the reason for this is simple. If you're dwelling in God, if he's your stronghold, who can threaten you? You ever thought about that? If you are held secure in God's arms, God the creator of the universe seated on high all powerful over all things if you are dwelling in him who can come against you and y'all this is not just meant to be some theoretical thing you may hear me say yeah but you don't know about this situation let me tell you who knew about situations okay david knew a thing or two about people that wanted to do him great harm And not just physical harm. Consider the rest of the passage we've read. We already read it. Uh, As you think about these different things, the armies and the warfare, the difficulties that he described. You know, it's interesting. We aren't really given a glimpse into exactly what he's talking about. But he could be talking about several episodes in his life. When he talks about this great difficulty that is being faced, when he talks about danger, was he talking about when Saul, the former king of Israel, pursued and tried to kill him? You know, that's the thing. If you're picked as the new king and the old king is still around, he generally doesn't like you very much. Is that what David's talking about? I don't know. Is David talking here about what would happen when Absalom, his own son, would stir up a rebellion and try to usurp the the throne from him? Again, I don't know. You know, as David talks about danger in this psalm, and if you keep on reading, he'll talk more about it. Is he talking about something he faced in the past when he was just a shepherd? Remember when he met Saul, he talked about how he had killed the lion and the bear? Maybe. Or I want to propose another possibility to you. You know, as we read, and just in what we read, those first six verses, it's entirely likely that David wasn't only writing about danger that he had faced when the Lord was his stronghold. Instead, David, I believe, was also writing about those things that might happen. And y'all, this is where life gets real, doesn't it? Come on, it's the potential things. It's those things that vex us, those things that we worry about. My goodness, we can worry, we can look at the future trying to contemplate things, and I warn people all the time about the hypothetical highway, that you can go down this hypothetical road and say, well, if this happens, then that might happen, and if that thing happens, then this, these three things might happen, and if thing one happens, and that might happen, too. You can be so wrapped up in the things that might happen, you can worry so much about the future that you forget to live in the present, and you miss so much. David's writing about those things that might happen as well. We've read it, but again, listen to verses 2 and 3. He says, when evildoers came against me to devour my flesh, my foes and my enemies stumbled and fell. Past tense, okay? He's talking about difficulties of the past. Verse 3, though an army deploys against me, my heart will not be afraid. Though a war breaks out against me, I will still be confident. He's talking there about possibilities in the present and in the future, and the end result is the same. What we see here is that David's reflecting on, he's considering the things that have happened and the things that might happen. But again, what does he say? The Lord's the stronghold of my life. Who should I dread? My friends, if you're here today and you cannot say the same, really and truly, If you're here today and you desperately want, though, this same sense of security, that it doesn't matter what happens, that everything's gonna be okay. If you don't have that sense of security and you want it, I have very good news for you. First off, if you don't have security, that security, we gotta start at the start. If Jesus isn't Lord of your life, you will not have that security. And so I ask you, are you trusting in Jesus alone for your salvation? I ask that because if you aren't trusting in Jesus alone to save you, then you sure won't trust him to be your stronghold. If Jesus isn't isn't your savior, he can't be your stronghold, okay? And if he's not your stronghold, then you'll try to find something else that will be. You'll do what the world does. You'll look for security in something or someone else. And the list goes on and on. Some people look to politics for security. They think if if their candidate wins, then everything's going to be fine. Some people look to money as their security. If if their savings hold, if their investments pan out, well, then everything's going to be fine. Some people look to relationships for security. They look to their husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend. Sometimes people look to children to accomplish these things, but to give peace to give wholeness, to give fullness. Some people look to things like social justice, right, or or a hodgepodge of religion, and they think that they'll find security there. But y'all, look, real security can only come from the one who is more powerful than all the rest and is everlasting. Real security can only come from the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. So if you don't know him, You will not have the stronghold that David writes about in Psalm 27. But the good news is if you want to know him, trust him. Ask him to save you and he will. Believe on the name of Jesus and be saved. And if you have not done that, you come and get me afterwards because we need to talk and I really do mean it. But let's say that you have done that. Maybe you do know Jesus. Maybe you are trusting in him for your salvation, but you still don't have peace. You still find yourself worrying you still face anxiety if you hear david in the 27th psalm say that it doesn't matter if the whole world comes against me i'm i'm not going to be afraid if you hear that and you want that then david shows you how to have it and he shows you in the verses that follow because y'all the key to david being the man after god's own heart the key to david's relationship with god The key to David's peace, we've talked about how he relied on God. We've talked about how he's repented. But if you want to have the kind of relationship that David had with God and has with God, you've got to see God as David saw God. David is called the man after God's own heart because David knew God. And what did he know? David knew the Lord's beauty and to seek him. David reveals something to us in verse 4. You know, it's interesting. Again, David gets the bad rap, right? He's an adulterer. He's a murderer. He's a warmonger in many cases. He makes rash decisions. But he's the one called out, the man after, the God, after God's own heart. And, and it's fascinating. You know, David is going to the Lord here. This is a song, right? But it's a psalm and it's a prayer from David. And David reveals something about himself that unlocks the mystery of this. Because people wonder, how can he be the man after God's own heart? Well, listen to David and what David knew and what David wanted. Psalm 27, verse 4. David said, I have asked one thing from the Lord. It is what I desire. To dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking him in his temple. Let me ask you, if you were given the opportunity, what would you ask? As I said, David was not perfect. But we've just read the one thing that David wanted more than anything else. And what is that? Why is David called the man after God's own heart? Because all David really wanted was to be with God. All David wanted was to seek God's face. All he wanted was to behold the beauty of knowing and loving God. But the beauty also of being known and being loved. David knew the beauty of the Lord being his shepherd and pursuing him like one of his sheep. David knew the beauty that God was sending the Messiah and God used David to testify and to prophesy these things. And so to David... All David wanted was God, just to be with him. And because of this, David was not only the man after God's own heart. David had perfect peace. God showed him time and time again, and David knew God. And so, verses 5 and 6, David said, For he will conceal me in his shelter, In the day of adversity, he will hide me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock, then my head will be high above my enemies around me. I will offer sacrifices in his tent with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Oh, think about these words. Is it any wonder that David didn't fear? Is it any wonder that he had such peace? Peace? Let me tell you something right now. And if you don't know this, you need to learn it. Peace is the product of dwelling in God's presence. Do you want to be a person after God's own heart? Do you want to have this peace and security? It's not complicated. It's also not some secret path. Dwell in the presence of God. Do that by knowing and reading his word time with him in prayer. Don't get in the habit of denying fellowship with the believers and being a part of worshiping him. These are the things that produce peace. Don't fall for the garbage the world tries to sell you. None of that stuff gives peace. That's why there's always something new. Also, don't fall into these secret paths, right? Yeah, there's a book written every day by somebody, and it's for sale at Christian bookstores. And it's about some secret path that's going to get you to a higher plane of spirituality. Look, there's a reason we call them the ordinary means of grace. God ordinarily gives us the grace we need through those simple acts of knowing and reading his word. Yielding to his spirit. Asking God, what would you have me do? And let your spirit show me. Pray. Go to church. That's what produces peace. And if you doubt that, then look no further of not only David's testimony, look to the testimony of the people you know, the people who did these things, people that I've had the honor to do funeral services for over these years that I've been with you. And look to yourself and ask some questions, mainly, you know what David wanted? what do you want? Do you want God like David wanted God? Are you content to gaze into his beauty? Because if you want peace like the peace that David had, if you want peace like David, you got to want God like David wanted God. So what do you want? It would be very easy for all of us to say, well, I want God. Yes, me too. But don't answer that question with just your words and your thoughts. Examine your life because it will show what you really want. And I say that to my shame because so often I have not wanted God. I've wanted the benefits of knowing God but not God himself. I, I, I know that because instead of seeking him and doing what he wants me to do, oftentimes I've just wanted the benefits and I've gone my own way. What Psalm 27 and Psalm 23, yes, and so many psalms are really all about, is that they're there to show us just how important it is to really want God and nothing else and no one else ultimately. All those things I mentioned before are good and fine. Money, relationships, causes, those are all just fine. But all of those must come second to your desire for Jesus Christ. And the Bible is just one long story of proving this to be true. And David is one example of the peace given by God and there's so many others these people point us to the reality of what jesus said if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father or mother wife and children brothers and sisters yes even life itself such a person cannot be my disciple this is not jesus telling you to hate people what this is jesus saying is when you compare everything else in your life to your following him to your trusting him to your resting him everything else has to come second there's a reason why jesus would go on to say seek first the kingdom of god And his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So again, the question is... In light of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice... What do you want? If you want peace... Then you should also know... Who do you want? The question to that. I know, I know, and I myself improve. You will not always want God perfectly. You will be tempted. You will be distracted. You will run after others. But my friends... Let Psalm 27 be the wake-up call as we come to the end of this series. Let, Let it be the warning, commit anew to Jesus Christ. And as David desired, let it be your desire to know him, to trust him. And the peace that will be yours in this is beyond compare. Just like the salvation if you've never trusted in him. And with these things in mind, we come to the end of our summer series in the Psalms. And next week, we'll do something new. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the psalms. These messages, these songs that again and again point to the very nature of human life itself. There's a psalm for every occasion. Let the occasion of this psalm today be a renewal. I pray this for myself first. I can't pray it for anybody else. I pray it for me. Let me. Be renewed again and again as I seek your face. And if any others desire it, give it to them too. For you alone are worthy. And Father, to gaze at your beauty. To dwell in your presence. There we find peace. And we are so grateful. I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. And now, as we bring this service to a close, let us stand. And take our hymnals and turn to that great hymn of the Reformation. A mighty fortress is our God. And pay attention to the words as you sing them. Let's stand together. Hymn number 91. Receive the benediction, may the grace and the peace and the mercy and the love and the fellowship of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit be upon you both now and forevermore. Amen.